0: Hello to all my wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. In this episode, I touch on a uh, rather touchy subject, the Israeli-Palestinian uh, situation flaring up in a bit of the history. I try to give my own perspective as someone who grew up there and lived there all my life, and I try to be as impartial as I can, uh, obviously murky waters, but I hope you enjoy it and uh, have a great listen. We have to talk about consciousness. Our life is actually a midpoint between the two deaths. To use the sexual energy in order to achieve enlightenment. The three-dimensional spiral shape. Coded in our DNA in our biology. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Discomfort Zone Podcast. Wow, as always, I'm Olev here as your host, and I have to begin with an apology for missing uh, last week's episode um I'll uh, i'll let you know what happened. First, uh, does it sound okay? Is everything sounding good on your end? Let me know in the chat. And welcome. I can see we've got already quite a few people. Bio has uh, his dudeness, PZ. Do I call you PZ or PZ? I'm imagining PZ, but let me know. Rondon and El Gecko, wonderful to have you here as always. It's a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I've got a special episode planned for today. But uh, first of all, the reason I actually couldn't make it last week, oh good, I'm glad, uh, sounds good. The reason I couldn't make it last week was we're actually uh, rather busy. <laughs> I know I say that quite a lot, um, relatively more recently, but actually there's a reason that things have uh, sort of kicked into a high gear, PZ, well that doesn't actually tell me how to pronounce it, <laughs> you've got to spell it with, uh, with the vowels, PZ or PZ, but uh, I think PZ sounds cooler, right? Yeah. Um, Anyway, the reason we have a bit more to do right now is that we've uh, decided we've actually, for those who don't know, we moved to Portugal in September 2019. So that was uh, this September. It will be our two-year anniversary of moving here. And we haven't been home. uh, We haven't been back to visit family since. And obviously, with COVID, this is a very uh, common situation. Um, But, you know, we're moving here and we'd obviously uh, thought about all this. As I have mentioned, I'm a a son of uh, immigrants um, and an immigrant myself, so I'm sort of more versed. And the idea, especially uh, my parents are... Uh, I don't know how to say it, but they're very sort of grandparenty. They really, really enjoy being grandparents. And let's face it, they uh, had to wait quite a long time until uh, one of their children decided. Um, so the idea before we even moved here, the thought was that they would actually come and visit us uh, four times a year and stay for a month. And this was both, uh, for them, sort of the minimum (laughs) they would agree to. Um, But for us as well, it felt like a very good um, sort of uh, pace to take it at for a month, which can be a long time. And especially uh, right now, we're still living in the house. So we're um, in my parents' house here in Portugal. So we'd actually share a house and one bathroom. And, you know, a month can be a long time. Um, But it really is a big help. Obviously, with our son, and then having sort of a three month hiatus for everyone to sort of cool off and all the uh, pressure to uh, let out. <laughs> and then you're just about ready for another month. So that was the idea that we had and the plan that we were sort of basing on before we came here. And then obviously, COVID hit, as uh, with everyone else, and that uh, stopped being the case. And we actually, well, I hadn't seen my parents for, uh, I can't remember exactly when it was, March, so over a year, just over a year, and uh, my wife hadn't seen her family since we moved here, and so with everything, uh, you know, being the way it is, and really and truly, we, we really do love our life here, we love the land, we love being um, here with our friends and with our son, and it it is very easy for us to just stay here <laughs> but mainly, I mean above, and above everything else it really is for our son and it's very important for us for him to have as much of a relationship with his family and that means actually meeting them in person and uh, it's really more for him that the uh, importance right now was felt. And so we were planning to actually come in the summer um, and in the end because of some uh, personal things we actually moved it a bit uh, forward. And so we are actually uh, planning to go and visit uh, Israel, where we're from, in June. So about a month, just under a month. Now, uh, for us, I mean, obviously this is a a very, uh, just a big thing to get done. As a family with our son and traveling first time and in COVID, there were suddenly a lot of different Sort of things that had to get done in time and a lot of things that we had to do but rockets yes well i'm getting to that i promise you oh i see lots of people have joined us in the meantime welcome darsico and solo pleasure to have you here and so uh, that was why I sort of couldn't actually make it. I had so much building up because obviously we have everything that's going on in our life. We have the work on our land with our, our son. Uh, we each have our jobs. Uh, my wife is a yoga teacher and she has a class here and a few students and uh, private students. And I also am working uh, on a couple of projects. So... We have a lot of things that sort of are going on and this suddenly added (laughs) a lot with a state of importance in the sense that uh, it actually has a time limit. These are things that actually have to be done by a certain date. So having said all that, I really hope that I will be able to make all the shows uh, until we leave. Um, But either way, whatever happens when I'm in Israel, I obviously uh, will continue to do the show there. I'm going to have everything. I'll have to set it up ahead of time, but uh, I don't plan to uh, stop the shows while I'm there. So we'll see. There might be a slight decrease in uh, quality because I don't know if I'll have my uh, microphone. We'll see what kind of equipment I'll take with me, but uh, I will be doing the show regardless. So, it's over that. Because of that and because of, uh, well... The situation, I decided in this week's episode to uh, make another special episode. And it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm doing it quite a lot recently. But I've, I feel that this show, uh, in no way did I set out to be, you know, a show about current affairs. Um, if anything, this is sort of more about archaic affairs. But nonetheless, this whole plot twist, this change uh, to what the show has become today, was based on these massive you know, um, impossible to ignore events that are happening on Earth as a planet, as a, you know, the place, the home of our species. And to ignore that, especially when I'm talking about things that I feel are very much related uh, to the current uh, modern situation as well, Um, I felt that I really did want to talk about some of these things. And so I I do want to sort of uh, jump back and forth between modern day and possibly even sort of uh, eyes to the future And definitely um, staying as grounded as we can or as we need to be in our past and in the ancient past. And uh, I hope that this week's episode will sort of play on that a little bit. That's the idea. Because obviously, for those who don't know, I shouldn't say obviously, um, I hope I have listeners from all over the world. But a big item in the uh, media, at least, uh, yeah, in most places that I've seen, was the situation in Israel And uh, everything that's going on there, basically. (laughs) And for those outside of Israel, it's a very big deal um, in a lot of places. And I see a lot uh, being talked about it. And in Israel, obviously, it's a big deal. And all of my friends and family are in the thick of it. So I, uh, I felt I really wanted to talk about it a little bit and maybe share my personal perspective um, as as an Israeli citizen, uh, for all intents and purposes. I'm going to talk about that as well, what that means. But by definition, um, I cannot deny the fact that I'm an Israeli citizen and that I, uh, well, grew up and lived in Israel for most of my life, uh, all of my life until very recently. So I wanted to actually talk about the whole situation because recently over the last yeah couple of weeks and i mean before that but i've been watching more and more um non israeli uh, sources of media um, from different places in the you know in the world um, obviously the us has a lot talking about it and if you haven't heard there's a youtube channel called the hill and they have a show called i think rising i'm pretty sure And it's a great, um, you know, modern professional media channel for all, you know, uh, it's, you couldn't distinguish it from any of the uh, major league sort of media conglomerates, but they really are sort of honest. Above and, be all and, uh, above and beyond anything else. And they have a uh, Democrat and a Republican. And they usually, or I think they obviously, they, they really try to, they criticize their own sides. And so the um, Republican is actually giving his personal criticism on what the Republican parties are doing. Yes, thank you very much, PZ. That's the one. And, and the show The Rising, I actually haven't watched, I think, any of the other things on the channel I'm not sure but uh, (laughs) The Rising is really good and it's just a very well-balanced sort of a sane media news uh, channel so if you haven't heard of it and you're looking for it go check it out it's much less uh, stressful and fear intoxicating than a lot of other channels are. So I watched some of them uh, some of their pieces on the current situation and I watched other uh, sort of more mainstream outlets in the US. But I also watched a bit of uh, the English and the Australian news and uh, some from Asia, India, we've been speaking a lot about about it. And uh, I also watch uh, Al Jazeera, which I do occasionally uh, tune in when I want to listen to sort of mainstream news of such. And so I've been somewhat researching and looking at all these different perspectives and wow, it really is a wide gamut of interpretations and opinions as to not only what is going on and what is the truth, but why and how do we solve it and who's to blame. And all of these things seem to be very, uh, yeah, very uh, confusing, I think, at least for me as trying to uh, look at it from the side. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the conflict, the history, the modern day situation and how I uh, view this whole subject. So uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoy. I hope it's in some way uh, informative or edu- uh, entertaining and educational. But uh, you let me know. And uh, this also, the first thing I actually wanted to say is that this week's episode, unlike most of my other episodes, actually um, doesn't have a narrative. And that is, I usually try to build these episodes in some way as a sort of story and like a beginning, middle and end and trying to get to this sort of uh, overall image in the end. But with this subject, I felt and also uh, much more apt for the, the subject we're talking about is to include all of these narratives and not actually have one prevailing narrative that sort of rules them all, but to try and stay in this uh, narrative-less, murky uh, area where everyone's opinion seems to be equally valid and it's very hard to uh, determine. So with that being said, you're more than invited to join in in the chat and share your opinions and questions and comments. And uh, it's going to be a bit of a sort of an episode all about, you know, how it is. But, to, oh, thank you, PZ. <laughs> I'm glad to hear. Well, I hope it uh, continues. Okay, so if you've been here before, you know the drill. The first thing we have to start with is the definitions, the semantics. What do these words actually mean? And I I highlighted a few words, and we can talk about others as well. Um, But these were the words that I felt were crucial for us to, first of all, separate and distinguish. Because, having said what I said... Uh, which i stand behind when i watched the hill uh, they made the mistake and they confused the word um, i think it was arab with palestinian so let's just talk about that very quickly what all these words mean so the first one i think we should talk about is well not i think uh because of any reason but the order that i wrote them down in was uh jew being jewish the jews etc so what does this mean? Well, we've spoken about before, and the origin of Jew is from Judea, which was the uh, Jewish, uh, as it were, or Israeli kingdom um, that ruled before the sort of downfall of the Second Temple. And so the word Jew actually is derived from a twelfth of the sons of uh, Jacob, Yaakov of Israel, um and it's a very small portion of the biblical sense of what we think of when we mention Jews. Okay, Now, I'm not saying that uh, those are the only ones who are Jews, but we're talking about the semantics. The actual word Jew, Yehudi, comes from Yehuda. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, PZ has written Jew, uh, uh, race, religion, culture, and bloodline. And we have to really... Uh, separate those to understand each of these tendencies, because on my passport, it says that my um, uh, nationality, um, I think it's nationality, sort of, is Jewish, which is is a definition separate from uh, religion. I think we do call it race, although race also has another word in Hebrew that's slightly different, because the Jewish race, if you look at Jews in Israel... Uh, They're all different races, you know, white, uh, whatever, (laughs) Tadaka. I don't want to get into any uh, things, but you have a very wide variety of different races, all uh, uh, claiming or are Jewish, sharing this um, sort of national identity. Because the Jews really were born from this, uh, in one way or another, um, nation, that was sort of coming together and we'll get into that more as we move forward but for now the definition of jew um in the sense that we're using it here is purely the religion and so uh the the jewish religion is very similar to um, you know other sort of races that think about it so you can be born into it if your mother is jewish as you said but we sort of ignore the fact because in in Israel, they talk a lot about genetics today and sort of the Jewish gene and proving that there's a Jewish race. but if you can convert and become a Jew without being a Jew, that means that the genetics um, especially over thousands of years is not actually the same as race. When you look at someone's uh, genetics with their race, you can actually see um, you know all the races that were there before but when you look at someone for their Jewish tendencies, at some point someone became a Jew without having that quote-unquote Jewish uh, gene. So, yeah, I think it uh, goes out the window. But nonetheless, we will treat it as a religion, and within those religious rules, most of them, and it is very, very difficult to uh, orthodoxically, orthodoxly, I don't know, um, to convert uh, according to the orthodox Jewish laws, um, but nonetheless, there are even famous stories and more today of people who have uh, converted and become full-fledged Jews. So we'll talk about it as a religion. And when we say Jewish, when I say Jewish in this show, what I mean is of the Jewish religion. So the next term uh, that comes to mind is Muslim. And Muslim is another religion. And from what I know, and again, I'm no expert. I'm sort of saying what I am talking about, what I mean. <laughs> But when I am talking about Muslim, that is purely a religion and we're not getting into race or national identities at all. Uh, A big part of this or a big reason for this was, I think, because of the uh, Muslim crusades, the Muslims did try to convert uh, as many people as they could to Islam and so sorry i'm saying muslim muslim <laughs> is a person of the islamic faith i do apologize islam is the religion i wrote down jew muslim because it's the people but uh, yeah islam is the religion so in islam uh, a difference from the jewish faith is that it's uh, it's considered sort of uh, at least of the crusades it was a goal to convert people to islam and so you can't really have this genetic component uh, if it's sort of widely supposed that even those who aren't genetically related should become uh, Muslim. Yeah? And there are obviously very famous people throughout history who have also uh, become Muslim because of the uh, religion and that they identified with it. Okay, so that's Jew, uh, I don't know, (laughs) I wrote Jew and Muslim, that almost sounds offensive already, but Judaism and Islam, that should sound a bit more professional. Okay, so I'm going to just see uh, a few comments in the uh, chat. There's European Jews and then Israeli Jews, very different people. That's technically true, but we still um, call them both Jews and not only European, I mean, those were there, but there are... Asian Jews. Uh, There aren't many left now, but there are Jewish sort of people who at least claim in some way to be Jewish um, from many places in Africa, and their traditions and religion is actually quite different from what the sort of European Jewish norms became uh, in modern history. Um, But nonetheless, if you trace back to the Old Testament, and there is a lot of uh, research that's being done. I actually knew a rabbi who was working a lot in tracing back the 10 tribes, as he said, as he called it, um, sort of looking for the lost tribes of Israel who were part of this you know, Jewish family because they are of the same faith and the same descendants. So, yeah, there are lots of different Jews. And that's the thing. We usually in English, when you hear the word Jew, or when you uh, think of Jew, you think of most people, the American, New York, Hasidic sort of uh, Jews who came from Europe. Um, and so that's the sort of even more traditional European Jewish of like the the, the last century, whereas uh, you know, the Jews that I associate with growing up with all of the Jews that I knew were the Israelis who were multicultural and very modern, And you know, in compared to Hasidic Jews. We had this sort of uh, ultra-Orthodox sects in Israel and in Jerusalem, and you saw them, they were very closed communities and not very modern, very traditional. But obviously, most of the people who I knew and grew up with were all very, very modern uh, yeah, Jews, <laughs> Israelis. So, yeah, it's a very good point. Um, Genetics is what certain orthodox sects are trying to push. uh, Read the book of Ruth. Absolutely. Uh, Yes, the book of Ruth is the most famous of the uh, converts, for those who don't know. And it's an interesting tale. Um, Islam and Islamists. What's that two separate thing? Perhaps one is more radical. Islamists, I haven't actually heard of. Most of my knowledge of these things and in general is from Hebrew. So I'm constantly going to have to uh, translate and might have to search for words (laughs) occasionally. Um, But Islamists, yeah, for example, I don't know actually the Hebrew, so I've never heard of it. Um, I'll have to look it up later. Crusade is a Christian term and does not apply to Islam. Oh, it was their crusade that caused the Islamic society to return the attacks. That's true. But I... I, I, uh, I'm glad you said that because I thought, I mean, I actually was just reading about it today, but, uh, that they call them the, that a crusade is basically a religious sort of attack war <laughs> to try and claim territory and, uh, normally, uh, a religious, um, land of some sort, um. But, uh, but yeah, I could be wrong, crusade, because that was obviously the Christian name for it. Um, I think I read that the modern sort of term crusade applies to a lot of others, but uh, I take it back in that case. Um, ancient corporate hostile takeovers, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so having said uh, all of that, we've spoken about Jewish, we've spoken about Islam. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was Israel. And this is already a point of contention. Just calling it Israel um, is is a uh, is a is a decision. Now, I call it Israel because, again, I'm Israeli, so I am in no way hiding my bias. Uh, I'm trying to sort of uh, open my mind and try and talk about these as much as, uh, as openly as possible. But nevertheless, uh, we have to talk about the term because it's a term that's being used. And in every news outlet, they always mention Israel uh, and Gaza, um, well, at least most of the ones that I've seen. So what is Israel? Well, Israel is, again, a uh, biblical term, and it was called the land of Israel because uh, the guy, Israel, uh, who was Jacob, um, was promised that land, obviously, the whole Jewish people from Abraham onwards, etc., etc., but the term uh, actually comes from the the Bible. Yes, Israel, uh, Israel. There's a lot of, and uh, in general, because once you get into the Hebrew, then there's also a lot of uh, the terminology, and even the original biblical sense calls the new name that was given to uh, Jacob, Sar um, El, because he fought with the uh, servant of God. So uh, the name itself, in terms of its etymology, has a whole other thing that we're not going to get into right now just because it's <laughs> it's deep it's long if you want to get into it yeah ancient languages exactly there's a lot uh, inside that um wrestled with god is is what he did uh but the actual term itself sal is is well it's a lot of things today it means minister but in ancient terms it meant sort of a a, a messenger or a, a high status uh, angel in some way sal el Um, and because of, yeah, in the story, that was who he wrestled with as the representative of uh, God. Again, in the Bible, nobody can actually interact with God except for Moses that one time, but we'll uh, skip over that now. So, Israel has a whole other problem, not just with the actual name, but the political significance, because Israel, as many places, has changed its name over time, and before its modern term Israel, it was called Palestine, which we'll get into later. So the decision to call it Israel is obviously a political and, uh, um, you know, an important one to make. Because in a lot of ways, it's, it's taking back ownership, it's changing the status, it's symbolizing this shift in power. And so for those who don't know, I, uh, I will just give a brief outline. But uh, post-Second World War, uh, the UN voted to uh, stop the British rule of Palestine. Uh, and to transfer its power to an Israeli government and to establish the state of Israel. So it all, actually, it's 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 a pretty crazy story when you think about it, but it happened very, very quickly. And uh, the, the story, as I uh, will tell it right now from the Israeli side, because we talk about Israel, was that after signing that, uh, you know, uh, Declaration of Independence, the next day there was a huge war that began, the War of Independence, which is surprisingly a common theme in uh, in countries establishing themselves. There seem to be a lot of wars of uh, independence. Um they uh, sort of fought back, and it was a long and uh, difficult war. And eventually, uh, the Israelis won, and uh, they sort of kept the state. And that was, oh, my God, I'm not actually sure. 73, I want to say. We can work it out. 48. Yeah, 73. This year, 74. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> um, oh, oh, and I see, hang on, we've got a lot working here, and I see a few more people inside. Him. welcome, and eh, eh, Gabriel, you keep changing your name, welcome, welcome it's a pleasure to have you, and Abigail Honey lovely to see you here we're talking about Israel okay, I can see we're nearly halfway through so we're going to have to move this along a little bit so that was basically the story of Israel for people, for Jews who are living in Israel right now um, the idea of calling it sort of something else is really uh Sensitive, because it's denying the uh, the right to exist. Okay, in a certain way. Now, the counter side for that, obviously, is Palestine. Palestine was the country um, of the people who were living there, and by the way, within uh, Palestine. There were not only Jews, uh, sorry, there were not only Arabs, but there were Jews as well. There were many different cultures. Again, Israel has, well, Palestine has gone through many different uh, iterations throughout time. And so, uh, wait, oh, I can see lots of, what's are the uh, the gifts? Because of the level up? Okay, never mind. <laughs> Is it related to me? Never mind. I'll carry on and you uh, clue me in later. Um... Yes, Palestine had Jews, Muslims, and Christians before 1948, and it does better mention that it still has uh, those three religions, and in fact now more and more are joining. Um, but yes, in terms of the, let's say specifically the Arabs who were living here, um, as far as they were concerned, one day this state of Jews decided that it was not only a new state that was living there, but was in fact a Jewish state, and that's uh, the, def- the sort of the, the title of the state of Israel is a Jewish democratic state. It's first a Jewish state uh, and then democratic. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to talk about the atrocities that happened because I won't do it justice and it's not my story to tell. But nonetheless, as you can imagine, whenever um, a ethnic minority is sort of uh, moved from its homes and, uh, taken over by, uh, someone from the outside. It's, it's, it's a, it's a traumatic event. So these sort of two things coincided where on the one hand, the day that the Palestinians, the Arabs uh, who were living in Palestine lost, uh, you know, their home, their land, their security, I mean, everything, Uh, and and many of them also, you know, lost their lives and in the battles and this real day of loss uh, coincides exactly the day before of Israel's uh, independence and indeed sort of uh, celebrated because uh, the war was won. And so today in Israel, and this was something that I only really started to experience in a way, um, in my later years when I was already much older living there. But you have the uh, Yom An-Nakba, which is the Palestinians' um, uh, sort of memorial day of the uh, the catastrophe, the trauma of um, the establishment of the State of Israel. And on the same, the, the next day, there's the celebrations in Israel of the War of Independence. So... really, right in the root of it, right from the heart, right from the beginning, it was sort of baked in with these two completely polar opposites, uh, conflicting parties. And they were, you know, they have been uh, living together in one way or another for over 70 years now. So we'd better move this along just a little bit, because there's a lot more that I want to talk about. But the last uh, term that I really do need to mention, um, well, indeed, is uh, Arabic and, as I mentioned, uh, Arab and Palestinian. So, the um, the term Arab is a racial term and it applies to many, many different uh, cultures and people around the world. And there are many different Arab states. Um, it's a very wide term. It's really a race. Whereas... Uh, Palestinian, as a as an ethnic group, is a subcategory of Arabic. Um, I believe all of the Palestinians are Muslim. I may very well be wrong with that. You should check me out. But I think that the Palestinians are Muslim. Um, but not all Arabs are Muslim. There are Christian Arabs. There are Jewish Arabs. There are many different, um, I think, religions with that as well. Now, Okay, I actually wanted to talk a lot more about this because I don't have that much time. I'm just going to mention it very, very quickly. The two other terms that I wanted to talk about are Druze and Bedouin. I believe I'm pronouncing that correct. I've actually never said it in English. I had to look it up. But uh, Druze and Bedouin. And these are two um, uh, uh, ethnic groups, minorities in Israel who are, almost, well, I think never mentioned, I mean, they are mentioned in some Israeli uh, news outlets, but never the same as Palestinians. And they never make it, as far as I know, into the sort of mainstream media. And it just, it really upsets me. Obviously, the, the, the Palestinian situation is absolutely awful. And in no way do I want to take away from that. But the Bedouins and the Druze are two minority groups who are suffering and have suffered tremendously um, since the establishment of the State of Israel, and possibly before. That's none of my uh, concern for now. And the Bedouins, more than the Druze, the Druze have sort of taken it upon themselves to assimilate much more with the new people who are in the land, let's say it uh, like that, Um but the Bedouins haven't, and there's a lot of crime and a lot of poverty and a lot a lot of problems with that community in general. And it's a really big issue, I think, for Israel and for people to consider, which really doesn't get enough uh, mentioning. So having said that, I won't mention it more, which is a little bit... Uh, <laughs> Uh, contradictory but I did want to at least say something because there's a few more things that I wanted to uh, mention uh, before we continue Um, okay there's a few things going on in chat there are Christian Palestinians oh thank you for checking out Rondon I see I didn't know I I wonder where whereabouts in Israel they uh, live probably in the uh, well I don't know oh not in Israel sorry in Palestine (laughs) Whereabouts in Palestine they live. Interesting. I'll have to uh, check that out afterwards. Um, technically, is everyone a Semite according to the traditional sense of the word? Yeah, the word Semite comes from the sons of Noah. Um, but the Jews have definitely sort of taken it to be because of, I think, the Second World War, that it's uh, anti-Semitic. You know, they were technically anti-Semites. They actually used the classification uh, in their uh, eugenics. Eugenics? Is it eugenics? Yeah. So, what we want to, uh, what I wanted to talk about next was actually sort of a little bit about the conflict and the way that I at least view it today. And we'll see as we uh, move forward if we have time uh, to go too far too far back in history because I did want to talk about it a little bit. You know, this is, after all, a, a conspiracy show. Um, no, but... The way that I view the conflict right now, and, and I think it's becoming more and more apparent, and this is the message that I hear more from younger people today than I think I ever have in my history that I uh, remember, and that is that both sides are really suffering, and I don't want to compare who's suffering more or how. Um, I don't think it's necessary to for us to decide um you know who's more of a of a victim i think what's important is that we first recognize the problem that uh, no side is winning whether you look at israel and the overwhelming difference in power between sort of the rockets it it doesn't matter how you monitor that at the end of the day as someone who lived in israel uh, all his life and have many friends and family there Um, this state that you see right now of fighting is nothing new. And I think a lot of people are sort of, um, I don't know, if imagining or wanting to say or feeling that this is something that's suddenly sort of come out of nowhere and all of these places where Arabs and Jews were living in peace for all this time, um, and how could this have suddenly come... I really saw that this this was always the case. This was all bub- always bubbling under the surface. This state of um, continuous war, which is never ending, is just a, a, a normality at this point. And I mentioned it also a, f- a few times in the past. And coming to coming to terms and realizing that fact because it's not something that you can easily recognize that something that's normal for you is not normal, as it were. (laughs) And the thing about today that I'm very encouraged by is that I see more and more people on all sides, uh, inside Israel and out from both sides in, um, coming to terms with that and realizing that, first of all, we have to send out a clear message that this is not what the people want on any side um obviously there are you know individuals and there are radicals on both sides and, and and there's always going to be a multitude of voices but generally speaking you can see that there is an overwhelming understanding after over 70 years i don't know if that's some kind of record but it's a long time to be in constant war <laughs> uh between two people who are not two people two peoples who are neighbors um it's it's really coming time when people are saying, you know what, this isn't actually working, and it is harming both sides uh, to whatever degree. Uh, this can't be sustainable. So what do we actually sort of do? I, I, I think a big question, and especially for people, you know, I'm now living in Portugal, what is it that we can do to actually, um, you know, in any way, Help the situation, and I don't think that right now sort of the biggest problem is that the leaders of both of these sides, and there are many different le- leaders um, are the ones who are profiting are the only ones who are profiting from this perpetual state of war because uh well. For many reasons, whether it's being money-making or leaving people in a survival mode makes people easier to control, or just becoming uh, re-elected. I mean, I think it used to work in Israel for a long, long time, well, uh, on, on the Jews. Um, but more and more I'm hearing people like, well, it's election time, so got to get ready for a war. It's going to be a war in the summer because the elections are coming up, and that's just a, a political strategy. So it's uh yeah, on that level, I think it's obviously very hard to imagine what we can do to change the current state of affairs or arrange a ceasefire. But nevertheless, oh, I can see. Uh, seems like the only reason Israel was created was for that endless war. There's a there's a yeah, I mean, for some reason, and we can get into that also. We've actually mentioned it a few times, and spoken, but Israel as a state, um has been at war you know with all of the different occupants throughout history to some uh, to some extent um it's a good example of what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object yes i mean it's uh it's like it's very very hard to really kill your enemies when you're talking about an a group of people you know and it's something that's been tried again and again and you can get very efficient at killing, but eventually it's sort of yeah it's just uh it doesn't lead to any results, and it's very, very difficult to do and then what you do is you breed another person who wants to extinguish you, and that's what leads to this yeah this cycle but that's a that's a very sad way to look at it PC. that's uh <laughs> i agree um it's only hard to kill your enemy if you don't practice genocide. Well, you know what many people have attempted genocide, and even then, obviously, horrendous stories that I don't want to say, but we we have genocides going on today, and um it 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 doesn't it doesn't bring peace for some reason. you know whatever happens and whenever you point at history, it doesn't work at making everyone's lives better. And I think for, for most people, you know, this was a big understanding for me, at least on my journey, um, everyone wants to live happily, or at least, you know, 90%, if you exclude the wackos. But when you, when you give people, you know, safety and security and their family and friends and, you know, all of the basic necessities that they need are met, it's amazing how hard it is to rally the troops and to uh, convince people to, um, you know, put themselves in danger. And the only real way to do that is to convince them that putting themselves in danger as 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 soldiers of whatever side and whatever cause um, is actually the safer choice, because not doing that and not joining whatever army um, will in fact, you know bring your demise and allow your enemies to attack you, et etc. et cetera. And so it's only with that thinking as, as you know, I, I don't want to say, uh, I'm obviously very, very biased and I obviously come from my personal experiences, um, but I definitely look at it today very differently than I did when I was 18 and I was told that fighting for my country was, uh, it wasn't even a duty, it wasn't a choice, it was what... Um, it was what the survival of my country depended on. This was never a war of sort of, you know, the war being joining the army and training. This was never a war of, um, you know, leisure or trying to gain more. This was always presented as a war of survival. And it's presented that way to both sides. And you know what? Throughout history, when you look at it, it's usually presented that way, no matter how ridiculous or far-fetched the idea that that really is the survival um, can be. Because, you know, I mean, it's just there's a lot of examples in history, both in Israeli history and in global history of countries that are fighting. People are always convinced that, you know, the enemy is at the gates, that in a few moments we're going to be caught with our trousers down and it's going to be too late and we have to rally the troops and just fire a few more rockets or, you know, uh, drive a few more tanks or throw a few more stones and we'll solve this situation. We'll be able to crush our enemies into submission and we'll never hear of it again. And, uh yeah, in my experience, that uh, that just doesn't happen. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry, that's a little bit of a ramble. I went off there. I hope uh, you're all still with me. I can see a lot going on in chat. Um, I think it's important to point out the difference between Jew and Zionist on one side and the difference between a Muslim and a radical Islamic mercenaries on the other side. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's the thing. I don't want to give any, um, well, I just don't want to give too much time or thought to radicals who really believe that harming others is the only way to help themselves because I, I think that they're a minority. I think that the majority of people, if they have their needs met, and again, this is crucial, and if you uh, steal from someone or if you take away, you know, not attack them as a country, but if you take away their livelihood, if you don't allow people to go to work... Um, and you don't allow them to do what's necessary to get what they need to survive, food and water, etc., and electricity, then you're going to be building up this pressure. You're going to change that person into a radical person. But if someone has all of those needs met and uh, really doesn't have anything to complain about and still wants to go out and harm people, then that's uh, a very small section of, uh, of the people. I'm talking about most of the people whom I've met both on this side and uh, on the other side, and everyone in between. I don't really think there are two sides to this. I think there are many people who are living in Israel. As I said, I don't actually know where you would classify Bedouins and Druze and the Christians, because the Christians in Israel have suffered tremendously. uh, Well, (laughs) not uh, during the Crusades, but I mean in in the State of Israel, uh, in the modern day uh, and before that under the uh, different rules throughout history. So what, what side are the Christians on the, the, you know, I, I'm pretty sure there are lots of different races, not just, uh, you know, um, Arab, but actually also, uh, I think there are Greek, there are a few sort of uh, Orthodox Christians, you know, in the Holy land, etc. So, there are many different sides and groups and when i think about all of them in the common denominator as hard as it is to do there really is a consensus that the biggest problem we have is that someone is impeding on my way of life and on my safety and security and for the uh, for most of the jews it's sort of feeling that the uh, other side is you know trying to kill them And that really is a a feeling that people who walk around with uh, a bullet in the chamber actually feel, uh, you know, have this. And I I do want to point out, and I'm not going to say uh, too much to one side or the other, but I know of stories uh, of people who have that, who have had to use their weapon, uh, you know, um, to fend off someone who was trying to harm them. And I, the exact same, or I should say, you know, a very different story um, is experienced on the other side, especially now with COVID, in case uh, people don't know and haven't heard. Um, long before this situation flared up, the Israeli government, the Israeli army was using the whole sort of COVID situation to go and do really unspeakable things to a lot of people, some really, really awful stories. Most of which I haven't heard about. Um, you know, there's no need to go into details for me. At least this is not my story. If you want, there's a lot of it. Uh, you know, online, and you can definitely see, uh, get this information elsewhere from much more capable people. But it needs to be addressed that the situation was worsened very much during Corona and the Israeli government took a lot of liberty that it couldn't have done with, you know, a lot of journalists and a lot of um, left-wing NGOs in Israel that do try to report and hold uh, soldiers accountable to a certain degree and who are viewed, obviously, as complete um, betrayers, uh, traitors, right? That's the term of Israel, and uh, uh you know by some people so it's 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 a very it's a very difficult situation and covid just pushed it all over the edge and this uh, later flaring up of it um is really i think a direct result of loads of tensions building up over the year and it's both sort of the rockets which is one side of it but we can't ignore you know there's a lot of other sides to it there are the protests that are going on and the um general strike that was happening that is still happening i actually believe so this this eruption of all of this stress is showing itself in many different faces and uh, on both sides and indeed i mean i see a lot of uh, my friends in israel also you know, obviously showing uh, their tremendous support and or, you know, doing what they can. I had a lot of friends who were trying to get to these places uh, during COVID while it was happening, even if it was just to sort of document and uh, get it out there. So that's the thing about, you know, looking at it as sides. Again, it's uh, I think there really are the people who uh, want to live in peace (laughs) and believe it's possible. And, I mean, again, as I said in the beginning, because I can see, this this well, this episode went way off the rails. I was planning to talk about so many things. I've got so much here. Um, but I, I hope it was okay nonetheless. I did mention, I did warn you that it was going to be a bit uh, all over the place. And I don't want to, uh, or I can't come up with some nice framing to sum up uh, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict in a nice... Uh, Pithy, you know, 10-minute soundbite. Yeah, I don't know if that would even be possible. But I do want to share my own perspective again, because being here now in Portugal, I have Israeli friends here who are living in Portugal as well. And some of them are saying to me, like, are you crazy? You want to go now? And these are Israeli friends. I mean, obviously, other people are saying you're mad. Why on earth would you choose now to take your family to go to Israel? you know, with what's going on. And the first thing I say is, well, there's another three weeks yet, so let's see what happens. <laughs> That's a long time. COVID could break out again. You know, our flight could be cancelled either way, so we'll wait and see. But the truth of the matter is that I um, I grew up in Israel. I mean, having sirens uh, actually warning about, you know, dangers or having all of this propaganda even if it's not in your everyday life but having all of it displayed and, and not not only entrenched in your news but in your national identity in your you know in your future in your purpose in in everything and obviously uh, beyond that uh, for me personally going through the sort of um second intifada in whenever it was 2000 when was it something like that anyway with, you know, uh, bombs going off and people dying and uh, it hitting a lot closer to home than anything else had, uh, I think, until then. It is uh, a very strange upbringing and a very strange uh, situation to be. But nonetheless, within all of this, I still, you know, I talk to my parents and I talk to my sister and, uh, as Bill Burr says, you know, crickets. It's like, There's nothing, you know, there's no fires out the window. There's no anything. Now, I'm not saying that Israel isn't burning to the ground, like, obviously. But I will say that Israel has been burning for over 70 years. And I don't remember a time in my life when there were ever sort of relatives who would say, well, now is a very, you know, peaceful time in Israel now would, uh, would be a good time to come visit. There's always something. It's either just been or is happening or just about to happen. And uh, for me, obviously, uh, I may very well be um, <laughs> taking back everything that I say <laughs> in, uh, in a few months. you have to talk to me then. But assuming nothing too horrendous happens to us there, um, I'm looking forward to go and visit our family, and for Tao to have this very uh, unique experience, I think that is important. And growing up in Israel with that history and with everything, I decided with my wife, with my family, uh, to move away from it, to take our son away, um, hopefully as long as he doesn't want to, for him not to uh, join the army, um, to sort of really remove ourselves as much as possible from Uh, that life and being here, you know, in a house that's in a sleepy, quaint little uh, village, you know, in a a rather uh, obscure place in, you know, Western Europe, and then going to our land where literally there's just birds and crickets. um, It's going to be a major shock. (laughs) It's going to be a big difference coming back and seeing all the things there. But I do feel that it's sort of um it's important to balance it. I don't want to suddenly forget what it was like living in Israel for all of those years because uh you know it's where I came from ultimately, and it is a part of both my heritage and my sons', and it's always going to be uh you know there's always something in israel <laughs> it's never going to be a good time this whole year we were planning to visit before we were planning to visit last year and obviously because of COVID as well, but we could have made an effort, but we just didn't want to come with COVID and we didn't want to be there with all of that situation. So, you know, whether it's better or worse, it's never going to be a perfect time for us to come and visit. But I think that, uh, I hope it'll be a good visit nonetheless. And as far as uh, I'm concerned, this whole conflict um, is still going on. And... We'll probably carry on going on for at least a little while longer, but I hope that I see more and more voices actually rising up and saying, you know what, this isn't working. We tried it. We tried it for over 70 years. That's a long time. That's a whole, what is it, two generations. I think we can try another alternative. Um Okay, I can see a few things in chat here. They've got those vaccination passport shenanigans too in Israel. Oh yeah, yeah. Both my parents are vaccinated, and oh yeah, they. Israel is leading. I'm, I'm, uh, gleefully told leading the world in vaccinations. Wonderful news. I will say that there are a lot of Israelis who are anti-vaxxers, and they were very prominent even before COVID, and now as well. So I wouldn't say they're in any way a majority, but uh, there are also other voices. <laughs> um, friends of mine. I want to go to Palestine one day. It's very historic for a lot of different faiths. Yes, it is an interesting place. I could never view it objectively. I I I I sort of didn't like authorities and so I didn't like governments and so I didn't like Israel from about, I don't know, fourteen or fifteen. Um and still really don't like the country, like, let's be honest, I'm hoping I'm not offending anyone by saying it. But personally, I have too much baggage. It's a very difficult place for me emotionally. So I am always very, very surprised when anyone tells me that they enjoyed going to Israel, or that they want to go to Israel, who aren't Jewish. For Jews, I understand like okay, I get it there's a there's this whole thing um but yes, I've just met so many over the years who really had no connection to Israel, not even for um, faith, but really wanted to visit you know the place and as a tourist destination so i I accept it. I just can't understand it, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, go for it, maybe not today. I think if you've never lived there now might be a slightly scarier time but <laughs> but yeah, I hope. Hopefully, one day it will be, you know, an actual cosmopolitical center that it could be where, you know, there have been, in the history of Israel, there have been leaders who were talking about it as being this multicultural hub where beyond a certain faith or religion or race, there was this sort of, you know, uh, just agreed upon. uh, He was talking about, they were talking about it more as an economic center and all these things. But, yeah. Yeah. It could be better. I think it could be better. Uh, okay, proof of shots on as terrible as cavity searches. Da, da, da. Absolutely. Um, Israel seems to be beta testing the fax passports on the population. Not seems to be. But by by definition, they are. Um, can't sell nihilism, I guess. Nobody it. <laughs> well, you could give an IOU. Uh, hell, our whole economic system is nihilistic, so. Um, well, there could be politicians. Who, wait, the... Uh, people are visiting yes yes a lot of yeah <laughs> a lot of um uh motorcades have held up my uh work travels in my life um have you ever kissed the wall uh yeah i went to the wall when i was a little kid and uh we're all told to but not for a long long time Oh, my gosh. Okay, I've got 10 seconds to say goodbye. I'll answer the rest of these questions in chat because I do want to. But for those of you who are listening, thank you very much for joining. As always, I've been Olev. It's a pleasure to be here with you again. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to next week, hopefully to uh, the episodes following. Until then, have a good one. Bye.